We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato. We're here to recap a wild Black Monday for the New York Giants that started off to seem very benevolent um, when, you know, Wink Marno, I'm sorry, Brian Dable came out in his post postseason presser and basically said, look, everything you expect is going to happen in the sense that we're bringing back Wink Martindale, who obviously, you know, in my mind, at least coached a very good defense this year. I know people throw out the number of, they were 27th in defense. And I'm like, eh, what are you using scoring or you know, using yards? That's, Wow. Using yards to talk about how a defense performed to me is as almost as bad as it gets because the objective is scoring. And Mike Martindale's defense was always about holding teams in the red zone, holding teams on third down, turning the ball over at least at the end of his tenure and not giving like yards was not a yards is a very overrated stat. If you're looking at defenses, they, they were 26th in scoring, though. Too. Okay, That's not great. But no. I mean, part of that is also when you throw a million pick sixes and you're throwing a million turnovers and you're, of course, Daniel Jones had six interceptions in his starts, like, and they fumble, like, you know, they're putting him in horrible position. Like, I think the eye test showed that that wasn't the 26 best defense, but I mean, that's for anyone to decide. But point being, we were still happy to hear Wink was going to be back. Kafka is going to be back. They're moving on from Bobby Johnson, which we're going to talk about on a future podcast. And they already have an interview in with an offensive line coach. We'll talk about that as well. That'll be coming out shortly after this. So it's future, but it's not too future from here. Not too far future. And then obviously Thomas McGay, the special teams coordinator, was also let go. Something I think these were things that we maybe expected as fans, Nick, but weren't guarantees by any means and were necessary by a lot of means. So everything felt good. And then out of nowhere, we got the news in the middle of the day that well, first we got the news that Brian Dable or the Giants fired two of Wink Martindale's favorite assistants and his right-hand men, in a sense, almost in some ways, like kind of not forcing his hand, but putting him in a weird spot. And then we get the news that Wink Martindale resigns, which I have not. I was thinking about this in my head when I saw this yesterday, Nick. I don't I don't know. And I was running around yesterday, busy in the city, doing a few other things. But I don't know the last time I remember a Giants coach resigning, Nick. I, I was thinking about that word resign and like to make that decision on his own, which, by the way, one final thing on this, it gives the Giants his rights. So it's like if he, for say, like talks up with Nick Sirianni this offseason and wants to join the Eagles, the Giants could actually block that if they want to. And I don't of know course. what's going to happen on that front. There, there are many layers. Yeah to this day. There are many layers to this entire situation. All of that was deliberate in my mind. Having an 8.30, 8.30 in the morning press conference with <laughs> Joshua. When do they ever do that 
They don't so do that. True. Often. It's never eight thirty in the morning. You're so Brian right about Dable. That. Brian Dable wanted to put uh, put it out there to the New York media, to the Giants fans, that we have every intention of retaining Wink Martindale. But this goes back months. The tension between Wink Martindale and Brian Dable, and it's something that was detailed by, in my opinion, in your opinion, I want to say, one of the more plugged in NFL. Oh, yeah. Uh, reporters in in Jay Glazer who works for Fox Sports. He said there was tension. Now I don't know who his source is, but it definitely seems like it was deliberate that Wink Martindale wanted it to be known that there was tension. I don't know if Wink Martindale was the source. I don't know if it was one of the Wilkins, but we know the Wilkins are tied to Wink Martindale. We know that because when Wink Martindale interviewed with Brian Dable, he said something to the effect of, yo, if you guys don't go with me, you should hire Drew Wilkins. And you know that him and Kevin Wilkins go back to their time in Baltimore together. But I think we should go through the timeline of the yeah. tension between Brian Dable and Wink Martindale when we, as, as people who cover the New York Giants, Giants fans, started kind of realizing, yo, I don't know if these two are really getting along. Yeah, you can let, let let's let it rip, Nick. You, you run us through this timeline. We should start on November 5th. November 5th was the game where the New York Giants went to Las Vegas. Let's put ourselves back into that timeline. We were in the mindset of, hey, maybe the Giants can go on a run here. You could beat the Raiders, right? They just fired their coaching staff. It was Antonio Pierce's first game as an interim coach. Aiden O'Connell was starting. Jimmy Garoppolo got benched. And what ended up happening, unfortunately, the Giants got their asses kicked. It was a 30-6 to beatdown, which prompted defensive captain Xavier McKinney to quote this. He said this after the game. Honestly, it sucks. But I don't know, man. I don't really have many words. I think that from a leadership standpoint, I don't think they've done, saying the coaching staff, a great job of letting the leaders lead and listening to leaders and the captains. And in typical Brian Dable fashion, the next time he spoke to the media, he downplayed the shit out of this. Now, a couple of days later, when the coordinators actually went up to the podium and they started talking with the media, and that was on November 9th. Remember, the beatdown by the Raiders was on November 5th. Martindale went on what, like a six plus minute, maybe it was even eight minute tirade about the Xavier McKinney situation. And some of the quotes from that one was really took a while for him to point out exactly what it was. But I think you grow from that. And I just told him that it is something and it hurts the locker room. It hurts the defensive room when you say something like that. And he said a lot of things to, to that effect. And, and then at the end, Wink Martindale ended up downplaying it as well. And it also seemed like, that McKinney complaint, it wasn't unanimous. It was an isolated complaint. It didn't seem like a lot of the other defensive players shared those thoughts, or at least they were not vocal about that. So a lot of us on Giants Twitter and everything, we blamed Xavier McKinney for, for those comments. It was more like, hey, man, like you're a leader on this team. You're going out. But there's some weird tension in the defensive room. I think it's very safe to say that. And then fast forward a couple weeks, November 26, Jay Glazer comes out and said, Dable and Wink's relationship was in a bad place. And he said, when I talk to people inside of the organization, they're saying the tension between these two, you could feel it. And they were talking about maybe a mutual parting of the ways after the season, and even potentially something in the, the final few weeks of the regular season, whereas Wink Martindale could possibly get fired. So that fired is already out there at this point, right? Like you're starting to think like, oh man, he might get fired at the end of the year. I thought it was more of a Brian Dable issue. That's the mm -hmm. way I initially took it. I was like, he's a very disagreeable type of person. Maybe that's why. And you started hearing some talk about Mike Kafka was also uh, possibly not going to be there. And it was just like, man, something's really wrong with Brian 
Brian Dable. And that's also compounded by the fact that the New York Giants really sucked this season and everything was kind of going downhill. And we saw some curious mistakes throughout the season by Brian Dable too, right? Like he was not as, I would say, sharp on the football field. We all kind of pointed our fingers towards Brian Dable, but I think it's safe to ask at least, Dan, was some of this deliberate, right? Because yeah. Dable just kept sh shutting all this down as any head coach should do. He was making jokes about how basically him and Wink Martindale are fat. Like, oh yeah, we were just arguing about who's getting the next pizza or who's getting the next donut, right? And uh, then on December 17th, Wink Martindale, he didn't necessarily deny the tension because this is the first time I think he was talking to the media since the Jay Glazer report. He said, we're fine. It's the same thing as it was last year. It was just different because we were winning more games, which suggests to me there was probably tension this entire time. Yeah. And you do look at Dable's personality. That's a fiery guy. He has a high standard for his coaches, gets in his coaches' asses. Not necessarily the case for the players. He is a little bit more of a player coach. Like He'll get in his players' asses. I don't know, man. I, I think the, the meshing of these two personalities definitely wasn't something that was going to work if Wink Martindale is somebody who is a little bit more of a reserved, down-to-earth type of coach, a veteran coach, probably doesn't like having yeah. a coach get in his ass as much as possible. Some of these quotes were deliberate. I think Wink Martindale wanted to get fired so he could control his future, so he can collect his entire contract. And then the Giants got ahead of that by putting out an early press conference before there was a resignation or before they were going to fire him. And then they fired the Wilkins brothers, and that prompted fire from Wink Martindale, who was like, yo, what the hell? Like, those are my guys. Now I'm going to resign. And now the Giants control my future. I think this is a pretty damn interesting story. It is an interesting story. And it's a weird development, something we haven't really experienced as as fans or even covering the team. I would say my initial reaction, Nick, was this is embarrassing a little bit on the Giants front to have a coach resign after a season where one, you could tell, I don't care what anyone really says about the 26 and scoring, because again, I feel like half of that has to do with how bad the offense was and how many times they turned the ball over and put them in bad positions, but whatever is what it, and, and just, they didn't, in my opinion, they haven't really given the defense a lot of talent. They've given them like two first rounders, not many seconds, not many thirds. They finally signed someone, but like there were holes all over this defense talent wise, thanks to Dave and, and just not a lot of assets to spend. But Again, like in my opinion, the defense played well at the end of the season. They are the reason they won those DeVito games. 100%. They had 13 turnovers in three games. They are 100% the reason they won those DeVito games. And in a lot of ways, I thought they were the reason they won that Eagles game at the end of the game. Tyrod had some nice drives, some nice explosive throws. They scored 24 points. They didn't really score much after that. They still won the football game. And ultimately, Nick, I thought the players loved playing for Nick for wink. I don't know if that's necessarily the case based on Xavier McKinney's comment, but I see pictures after the game of, of Bobby O'Karake and, and wink Martindale and Micah McFadden embracing, taking pictures. I see how hard they played for them. I see what Kayvon said about wink Martindale. I see what Dexter Lawrence, how he played under wink Martindale, how wink Martindale figured out the best place to put Dex is on the nose. And I don't care who the fuck is the defensive coordinator that comes in next. If we start to see Dex come off that nose, something's effed up and you effed up and you got to figure that out. And you got to adjust your defensive system to fit around Dexter Lawrence being over the nose for a lot of these. It's snaps. not that simple though. I if know it's not that in, simple. If you like, bring in an even front defense, right. but then you're effing up. 
in my mind. It's you were put him at the one tech, which gives the guard right. better angle to to block him. Exactly. Right. And I just don't want that. Like they need to bring in an even front guy. I mean, I'm sorry, not front think, guy. And yeah. that's going to be a big thing for me. And they could do whatever they want. They could get bring in Frazier. I know Frazier is an even front guy, but it's like, and whatever, you can go with the status quo of Dable knows him. He worked in, in Buffalo and he has put together a great defense. He's a smart guy. So I'll just adjust to it. And I'll be fine with it. But I give Wink credit for figuring that out and for unlocking Dexter Lawrence. And I know Dexter Lawrence loves playing for Wink because Dexter Lawrence was not on a career trajectory, Nick, that he was on now before Wink Martindale got there. And that's an ungiven, that's an undeniable fact right there. But, you know, again, he wasn't a perfect defensive coordinator, right, Nick? Like, there, the 26 in scoring is real. There were issues all over the place. Quarterbacks who can process fast gave him trouble. There is, it's not like we were watching a perfect DC, but I felt like the players love playing for them. So my initial reaction was, this is bad. Look for the Giants. But as you unpack it the way you did, Nick, I start to think about it like, you know, maybe this isn't as much on Brian Dable because we do have a guy in Wink Martindale who had issues in the past with John Harbaugh, forced him out of Baltimore and to some extent. Now it's a mutual issues. parting of the ways. You can look at the past of Wink Martindale yes. and be like, there's at least a foundation or a framework where something somewhat similar happened in the past. Not right. entirely similar, but I think the Giants organization just got ahead of this. And by forcing him to resign, now you don't have to pay him your whole contract and you control where he goes. He can't go in division. He mm -hmm. can't go to Philadelphia, who desperately needs a defensive coordinator because, again, he is a good defensive coordinator. Not the best, but I do think he is a good defensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Not the best, but still a good defensive coordinator. Still brings something every week unique to the game plan. Like we can go over, we've gone all over that and we can go over that. And we should time, touch on like, some of that too. Yeah. And we could, and we could. So, like, but. That's my initial reaction. Then as I unpack it again, like, you know, bad stuff, bad, bad, bad blood at the end of that Baltimore relationship. And just like generally speaking, I do think Wink Martindale, this is not a bad thing, by the way. I think some of the best athletes in the history of football have this. But I do think Wink Martindale and Brian Dable, that's obvious, both have big egos. Like, this is not like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah. I've seen coaches come in and out of the Giants throughout the last decade and a half. Some of them have egos that all of them have egos. They're coaches in the NFL, but some of them have big egos and some of them have medium egos and some of them have egos so small, at least to the public that you can't even hear them or see them and how they talk. Both of these people to me have egos. And I think that's pretty clear Two massive egos clashing, clashing, clashing. Like just look at Mike Kafka, for example, like look at the difference between the situation now, Nick, between Brian Dable and Mike Kafka and Brian Dable and Wink Martindale. We saw what happened with Brian Dable and Wink Martindale. What's happening with Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. Kafka is probably going to be back. But what unit has looked a lot better and has a lot less question marks on tape and on the field over the last two years? It's not the deep. It's not the offense. It's the defense. And yes, personnel plays a big part. But still, like, it's clear that, like, in my opinion, at least, Mike Kafka defers at times to Brian Dable and a lot of what Brian Dable wants to do. And I think that's part of being an assistant coach. But I'm not so sure Wink Martindale had that in him, Nick. I don't think he had that in him in Baltimore. And I don't think he had that in him here. And maybe it worked last year because, like Wink said, they won football games. But this year, they weren't winning games. And when now you have two big egos clashing, I want my way, you want your way. Don't find compromise. And it seems like we're dealing with the politics, with the political uh, landscape for the United States right now. It does kind of seem like we're dealing with some sort of political landscape, right? Like there's some jabbing back and forth between Martindale and the New York Giants. And, and I think that's obvious at, at this point. I look at Wink Martindale's defense and his yeah. the defensive structure. Look, loading the line of scrimmage, seven guys on the line of scrimmage, manipulating protection, sending free rushers, all that stuff. Absolutely love it. I think he's one of the best in the NFL at doing that. But you need to have a good offense to maximize that defense. And this offense was not great. You need to put 
the defense in a situation where they're pinning their ears back in the second half on second and long on third downs so they can get their exotic blitz and their exotic pressures out at the opposing quarterback. That's what you need to maximize Wink Martindale. This season, he did not get that. The Giants offense was pathetic, right? And I want to make that clear because this defense wasn't great. They were tied first, though, in turnovers, which is crazy, right? They had 31 turnovers this season, which was tied with the Baltimore Ravens for number one. Last year, they only had six interceptions. So the turnovers came full force right. back, but they were still susceptible to some explosive plays. They were still susceptible to uh, bending and not breaking in the first half, but then breaking in the second half. I do think a lot of that does lie at the feet of Brian Dable. Look, I don't think this is as easy as it being black and white, where it's just either Brian Dable's fault or it's Wink Martindale's fault. It's a combination of both because, as you said, Dan, very well, these are two coaches in the NFL who have huge egos. So when you have huge egos, there's going to be some disagreements. I am a Giants fan. You are a Giants fan. If you're listening to this podcast, you're more than likely a Giants fan. And as much as I respect Wink Martindale and I appreciate Wink Martindale, I'm still glad that the New York Giants ended up coming ahead of Wink Martindale in this situation by controlling where he is going to go. Cause I don't want Wink Martindale True. to go to Philadelphia. So at the end of the day, I think that's where I guess my quote unquote happiness lies. If I'm going to look at it through that type of a uh, lens, but um, yeah, so I don't think it's as simple as one guy's at fault. I'm sure they both share some fault in this situation. If Wink Martindale went to the Eagles, which I guess now is unlikely to happen though. I don't think it's like impossible. The giants can block it, but I think they probably would, but you never know on that front. Like I, it's, it's a weird, tricky situation, but I'm happy because I don't I don't want to see Wink Martindale scheming against Daniel Jones after <laughs> after, yeah. after knowing every single thing about Daniel Jones's mental game. Like, I do not want to see that. Well, we've ever seen that on tape. We've seen well, that. We've seen back. it in Pratt in training camp last last August. But well, we saw it back in 2020, too. Oh, you did see it back in 2020. You're right. What yeah. was, oh, I don't even remember that game for Jones in 2020. How was it? Oh, yeah. Was Matt Parrott gave up three sacks in oh, that was a the row. Parrot? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't want to see that. And as far as Wink goes, like, I, I don't think he's, like, the perfect defensive coordinator, Nick. I think there were big flaws throughout. I think a fair question that a lot of our listeners asked me, Nick, and I'm sure they asked you this as well in your DMs, which was, you know, how why does it seem like any time we get one of these super fast processing quarterbacks that face off against the Giants, Wink Barndale is basically like helpless in a sense, his system, and 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 we're just not producing at all really within his system. And I and I'd say there's been times he's actually done well against fast processing quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers last year, but I also feel like Rodgers is not as fast processing as he maybe once was. And some of the really good quarterbacks the Giants have faced from a processing standpoint. He hasn't done so great again, but then again, like Stafford, he did okay against Stafford at times. He, he gave some big plays, but he also had some good moments against Stafford, who I consider one of the faster processing quarterbacks left in the NFL. So I would say that, but I would say what I'm going to miss most, Nick, is one, just having a different game plan every single week as a defensive coordinator based on the quarterback, based on your personnel, based on the game plan for that specific opponent and how they're playing that week. And Wink Martindale was never afraid to do different things on defense, to have different... Like, I've seen so many coordinators come through the Giants, Tim Lewis, Perry Fuel, guys who are just sitting back basically in zone the entire time, playing off coverage, you not really doing much, even to an extent, Patrick Graham, who we liked. There were times he disguised coverages, Nick, but a lot of what he did was pretty similar. And I even saw I was reading some stuff this this year, Nick, because he might be a, in the mix as a defensive coordinator candidate potentially. Um, 
And I, not not like a top priority, but I've, I've, I've heard his name mentioned. And I, I read something from the Raiders this year, and they basically said what I thought they would say, which is what the Giants said in 2020 under Patrick Graham, Nick, which was once we started to figure out this defense and get on the same page as a secondary, everything clicked. And, every, and it's like one of those defenses where you're going to run the same stuff every week and you just got to wait for your defenders to get on the same page. But what's going to happen, Nick, is and what concerns me is. If we learn and if the Giants go back to a new system and if it's an even front, like you said, and now Dexter Lawrence isn't even utilized the way that we've learned would maximize and unlock him because sometimes coordinators come in, they run their system and that's it. And you, you adjust to it. I just think it's going to take some time, man, for them to adjust. And then it's like, what happens? It's Brian Dable year three. Our defense is insanely slow to start the season. We have Daniel Jones at quarterback. Yeah. What happens next? It just puts the Giants' current regime with Joe Shane and Brian Dable in a really, really tricky spot. That's the one main reason I wanted Wink back so the defense doesn't get off to the slow start where there's communication breakdowns and they don't really feel comfortable in the system. And you even saw that with who was the was what was the system this year that is playing who was the defense playing really well right now? And they were talking about how bad how hard it was at the beginning of the year. I, I'm trying to think of the team. There's a team right now that is just playing great on defense at this stage of the year. And I'll come back to that, Nick. But the point being is, you know, the Giants are going to have to go into a new system this year on defense. And, and that does concern me. That's concern number one for me. And if the team does struggle next year and the defense isn't meshing, whether this is Brian Dable's fault or Wink Martindale, however you feel about the situation, the fault is going to be blamed on Brian Dable. And Shane. And, to, and Shane. But to a certain extent, you look at it, look, whoever is at fault here, Brian Dable is the head coach. It's your job to keep the coaching staff together. And I think if you want to look at it from a macro point of view like that, there is some truth to that, right? Like you are the head coach. You got to find a way to kind of mend it and, and keep it all together. He tried with comments through the season. It didn't end up working out. But yeah, if they suck next year on defense and Bobby O'Carrickey doesn't look as good and Dexter Lawrence doesn't look as good and, and the players that we saw thrive within right. Martindale's scheme start to look like they've regressed, everyone's going to blame Brian Dable. And another aspect well, of this What's up? It's like, so that's an interesting like uh, dilemma to have in, uh, as a as a human being in your head, right? It's like, can you fault Dable for that or can you not? I I want like at that point, it's like I don't know Nick how big the egos are between Brian Dable and Wink to know if I. It's not the point. Fault. Yeah, the point. Like, you're okay. gonna fault them if the team sucks. Just you're gonna be like, well, you, last year yeah. they were great in Brian Dable's right. system. Now they suck. Where's right, Dexter yeah. Lawrence? Where's Bobby right, O'Carroll? Right. None of that even matters, bro. Right. If it's rational right. or not, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I also think it's interesting because other than the Xavier McKinney comments, we really haven't heard any Giants say anything negative. That's the thing. I feel like these Wink players Martindale. loved playing for Wink besides so, that one Xavier comment. If you're a defensive guy and Wink Martindale, by all accounts, had basically full reign on the defense, Brian Dable really wasn't meddling that much. He was more focusing on the team in general, right? And the offense helping with Mike Kafka. But if you're a defensive guy and maybe you don't love Brian Dable and your guy, Wink Martindale, gets shipped out of town. How is that going to make you feel moving forward? Yeah. So that's great. another element of this that you got to look at, that it could be a deleterious effect on the New York Giants moving forward uh, if some of those defensive players harbor any resentment towards Brian Dable for what happened to Wink Martindale and Drew Wilkins. Because I know Kayvon Thibodeau was high on a guy like Drew Wilkins. Kayvon Thibodeau was very high on him and yeah. on Wink Martindale. I heard him speak with Carl Banks about Wink Martindale as well. And deleterious is a new Nick Filato vocabulary. This <laughs> the most insane vocabulary in the history of the world. I'm a journalism major, and I can't even come up with a fourth of the words he comes up with. But, but one thing that I was going to touch on there, the, the, the big thing is, and this happens to a lot of NFL teams, Nick, the Giants aren't going to be alone in this, but it part of the NFL is 
you draft to help your coordinators and you scout for your team's system on defense. And the Giants have drafted a lot of players in the last two draft classes for Wink Martindale's system. They come in and bring a Leslie Frazier system in or a Patrick Graham system in. That's totally really the opposite of a Wink Martindale system. Where does that leave these players that were specifically drafted to fit this system? And that's also the part that like not leads me to believe they're in trouble because this happens to a lot of mental teams, Nick, but it leads me to leave. They, they are probably in line for a little bit of a regression period on defense, not by the sense that like the next DC can't be better than wink. That could easily happen. I'm not saying that what I'm saying is it's going to take time to learn that system. It's going to take time to unlearn the habits of the previous system. And some of these guys are going to be better fits for the previous system and not as good fits for the new system. And this is just part of life in the NFL. When you move on from a DC, it's why it's great to be able to retain and keep it rolling back and back and forth. If you're a good team, obviously like the chiefs with Steve Spagnuolo, for example, they've been able to really rip that thing through. And now in a year where their offense is actually kind of horrible, the chiefs, they're still a playoff team because Steve Spag's defense is playing awesome. So, you know, it's just another one of my concerns. Did we draft a lot of players to fit wing system? And that's just part of life. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less, yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. 
I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit matchup to $100. You will not regret it. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. I think some of these players, they can be, they can mesh well with other systems, but take a guy like Leslie Frazier because his name's getting thrown out there. I think he blitzed at a 19.8% rate in 2022 as last year as the Bills defensive coordinator, whereas Wink Martindale blitzes at a 40% rate. So with his defensive structure, and I know he's blitzed at a higher rate than that in the past, but generally speaking with his defensive structure, you're relying on your front four to get after the quarterback. Yes. I don't think the Giants have that right now outside of Dexter Lawrence. So, and is Dexter Lawrence even going to be that same kind of pass rusher if he's not in the same system? Like, he, I mean, I think he he can wreak havoc out of one tech, and you can do some creative things when I you think know. So. Like, I th- yeah, Where I mean, he was he, to saying. me he was he was good in Patrick Graham's system. It's just what were you going to say those creative things where you know? Oh, so like I know that they're going to demand double teams in a mm-hmm. passing situations the the center and the guard are both going after dexter lawrence which is mm-hmm. going to allow whoever uh is is opposite of him whatever side of the one tech he's on to to have a one-on-one matchup against that tackle unless a tight end is in there so you kind of mm-hmm. can at least figure out what kind of protection the uh the opposing offense is going to run based on you know that he's going to demand a double team as mm-hmm. a one technique that could give Kayvon thibodeau some advantageous sure. matchups but you don't really have another edge rusher if it's going to be like a like a four down. I know. End. You don't have that. I know. Right now. That's Thibodeau like, can I do don't that. want Aziz Ojolari as an end on an even front. No, no. It's, Kayvon it's weird. can do it, but yeah, Kayvon I think can do it. It's, I almost feel like a, a four, an even front might be even better for Kayvon personally. I, we'll see what happens there, but I don't. I definitely don't feel that way with Aziz. I'm gonna miss just watching Wink Martindale's. Uh, defense. Though. Yeah, it's like much more fun to watch. I we, very we, we watch Patrick Graham defense. We watch Wink Martindale defense. It's night and day as far as the fun. It's going to be a lot less fun, in my opinion, to watch the Giants defense and on tape. And then I assume for you guys on broadcast, but you guys can decide that. Obviously, if they're playing well, it's going to be better to watch whoever the, yeah. hell the coordinator is. Wink Martindale didn't get enough credit for being as uh, adaptive as he is. We've said that yes. so many times in this podcast, but in his bones, in his philosophy, that identity. It was, 
I'm going to get after you, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, I am going to bet the house on this, baby. Whereas Patrick Graham is much more reserved, man. Patrick Graham was much more, hey, I'll let you check down. We're going to rally and we're going to tackle. We're going to play three deep. We're going to play four deep. And that's what we're going to do, man. Coverage, not as much. Whereas Wink, it was like, I'm going to get you. And I loved watching the safeties fly off. I love the A-gap plug. And the the, uh, Week 18 game against Philadelphia was probably the best representation of what I'm talking about because they got after Jalen Hurts yes. like crazy. I don't have the blitz percentage. I felt like they did a lot of that ver- interesting stuff for Stafford too. I thought that was a really good game plan for Staff too. They did. It was more. It was. It was like against Philly. You're right. It was more like every play. It felt really good. But yeah, you're right. Uh, against Stafford, it was interesting too. We brought this up on the All Twenty Two podcast because the the Rams they run a lot of wide zone, a lot of stretch zone. So the Giants just tried to do the five zero front. They tried to just build the wall of having yep. the, the tight front, and then the edge rushers spill everything to the outside. Have unfortunately Cordell Flott come down and run support, which isn't always the best thing. But have those have those apex defenders and those cornerbacks and the safeties flow to the ball and then make the tackles. And they were in base a lot against against the Rams or their base against Rams was a 3-3-5, whereas uh, that's not always the case. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss watching Wink Martindale's system. I think he's a good coordinator. I also have the statistics here, though, on Wink Martindale because it wasn't it wasn't always great, right? Like I said, last year, the Giants were dead last in interceptions. They had only six mm. interceptions. Well, they weren't dead last. They were they were dead, but they were next to the Raiders, who also only had six <laughs> interceptions. But they did force a lot of fumbles. But when you look at the system this season, Dan, they weren't as efficient because that's what the defense relied on last year. They were efficient on third down and they were very efficient in the red zone. And if you go through the 2022 defense points against, they were 17th yards allowed. They were 25th rushing yards allowed. They were 27th. A lot of that is a product of just terrible running back play. I mean, linebacker play. Their blitz rate was first. Pressure rate was sixth. Sacks, they were 13th. They had 41 sacks. And then turnovers, they were 25th. They had 19 turnovers. This season, points against 26th, yards allowed 27th, rushing yards allowed actually worse, 29th, which was interesting. Blitz rate, second. Pressure rate, 21st. (laughs) That is not good, by the way. Sacks, 28th. They only had 34 sacks. Many of them were from Kayvon Thibodeau. And then turnovers, they were tied for first with Baltimore, like I said earlier, 31. That's an interesting dichotomy between these two stats because there there are a lot of similarities there. But then you look at the sacks. They were higher last year, lower this year. But the turnovers, which we all know can be somewhat fluky, specifically interceptions, were there were a lot more this year than there were last year. Yeah, it was in, in they came in flurries too this year. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, it, it it's going to be interesting to see where they transition as far as coordinator goes and who they start to get into. And we're going to briefly touch on some coordinator candidates now and also talk a little bit about the decision to move on from Wilkins and what's going on at the you know outside linebacker position slash edge position for the Giants. And then just as a heads up, as we work through these next few, you know, 24, 48, 72 hours in the next couple weeks, we're going to get into it'll probably be even shorter than that timeline for the Giants. It, we're going to get into deep dives on the defensive coordinator candidates who ultimately they hire a defensive coordinator if anyone is, is is brought in for interviews, things of that nature. Also, you know, as we're going to go through all the positions, offensive line coach, the Giants need a new one. They're already interviewing one guy who we're going to talk about on the next pod, special teams coordinator, things of that nature. And just want to give you a heads up on that. But Nick, um, before we get into some early defensive coordinator candidates and people who have caught your attention, maybe what, what did you make of just everything that's gone down with the decision to fire Wilkins and just had the production of the edge group for the Giants? 
Yeah. So Kayvon Thibodeau had his had his like five or six game stretch where it really started looking like he was he was scratching the surface of being that fifth pick. And then they played the Eagles and it was not good against Jordan Mailata. He was shut down the entire game in that yeah. first Eagles matchup. And he didn't really finish the season all that strong. And I got to say, man, uh, against the run, it was a real issue, specifically mm -hmm. against the Eagles. But if you look at Kayvon Thibodeau, and I think Brett Coleman tweeted this, Kayvon Thibodeau was like 90th in pass rush win rate. Now, I don't know if you really want to look into that, but it's still an objective statistic, right? Aziz Ojolari was 91st. You had no other edges. So I want to give Drew Wilkins a little bit of, um, you know, leeway there. Like you didn't have a, a great edge group. The Giants were relying on guys like Timon Fox last year and O'Shane Zimenez, who they did not want on the team. Jahad Ward, who is a Wink Martindale guy, mind you, was a primary edge rusher on this team. That's not a great situation. It's not. And I think Jahad Ward blocked me and I have no idea why because i tried looking for him and i couldn't find him so i think he blocked like everyone on giants twitter i don't think i ever got blocked by jihad ward but i didn't like i didn't like a couple months ago and i checked today because I, I i heard somebody jihad say that he put like a farewell message up because him carter coughlin cam brown a bunch of these defensive and special teams players are kind of saying like hey i'm not gonna be back it's right a little bit weird is that an indictment on dayball i don't <laughs> know am i reading into it too much who knows but that's not a great edge group for for um Wilkins and Aziz Ojolaria spent much of his career injured, but 90th and 91st and pass rush win rate is not exactly excellent. And if we're going to really throw Bobby Johnson under the bus for being objectively terrible, which we'll talk about a lot on the next podcast as well, maybe we should look at a guy like Drew Wilkins and be like, why haven't the young players you've fair. received developed? And I think at least that conversation, it might not be totally fair, because of all the things I listed about a minute ago. But I think that mm -hmm. conversation should be had. Yeah, it's fair to be had. And obviously the Giants had that conversation when they made the decision to move on. And we're going to like, that's a big talking point because I think you're right. I I was very excited and hyped about Kayvon Thibodeau's development at a midpoint of this season. But it obviously wasn't the end stretch of the season that we wanted from Kayvon. And same thing. I mean, on the Aziz front, it's like at this point, I don't know what our expectation could be going into for 2024 for him. Like I obviously he's made my list a bunch of times your list as well, Nick as you know, sleeper breakout potential these past few off seasons, yeah. it just hasn't happened at all or even really shown signs to me of being close to happening. So there needs to be maybe a decision to, I guess, change how you develop those guys. But I don't know, Nick, I think a lot of it is just these individual players too, as well. Like Aziz's injury history. And then Kayvon currently, at least in my mind, just, you know, maybe necessarily not developing at the end of the season the way we wanted him to, but I am curious to see what direction they go there as well. And like how they view what the, how they view the need, like what they believe is the need to fix there. Like is the players is development is the coaching. So Kayvon Thibodeau had 520 pass rushing reps in 2023. He had 466 in 2022 in 2022. We had 45 pressures in 2023. He had 44. It's just those sacks spiked dramatically, which that's the end goal right there. You want those sacks to, to spike dramatically, but he had so many less hits this year. He had 12 in 2022. We had four in 2023. So to me that says, Hey, he's at least finishing his sacks. So he doesn't need the hits. He's finishing his sacks, but at the end of the day, he's not necessarily winning more like we need right. him to. Now he's just a little bit quicker. That's a development. That's a step in the right direction that we should not take away from Kayvon Thibodeau. But I think it's safe to say, we still want to see a little bit more 
from the pass rushing and a decent amount more as a run defender. And I'm hoping that that's something the next defensive coordinator and outside linebacker coach can unlock because this is still, what, a 22-year-old kid. I think he still has so much upside. I think he's wildly talented. So I'm uh, hoping that we get that. I think that's all fair. And I think that's pretty obvious, at least to me, Nick, on the on just the eye test. Like, Kayvon Thibodeau definitely does a good job of closing. But is he winning a lot of reps? Are we currently seeing him just, like, beat – left tackles often or right tackles often that's probably not as much as we would like to say and so hopefully within and i'm i'm curious i think i i personally don't think this is the best system for cave on thibodeau's skills that i never did i think he did a lot of good job you know like he worked his ass off and he okay you want me to drop in coverage i'll drop in coverage and i'll and i'll do my job but i think there are systems that are better fits for him personally and i'm hoping that the next system will be one of those um on disease I'm just hoping for the best there, but I'm not, I don't have too much, you know, I'm just hoping for health, man, for health. I'm hoping for health. And then I'm hoping, yeah, at that point, it's not just health. Like I need production too from him, but yeah. Um, Yeah. I think production will come with his usual. I think the giants need an edge rusher. I think we're not talking. You've been saying this Nick for like the last 16 months, I feel like, and like you've been driving home the importance of it. I was hoping Aziz would would maybe give them a little bit of a, you know, leeway, I guess, in time. But no, the dire need is here. And you don't really find him in free agency unless you go like the clowny route. But clowny wants to sign with contender like those guys don't yeah. want to sign with the Giants with where they're at. The one year type like you can get them cheap. So like basically they have to draft edge and it just becomes another massive need for them edge. And it really is a massive need at this point because of where we are at with Aziz Ojolari. And that's the main reason I think it become it went from this is a need. And you were right that it was always a big need. Now it's like up there with all the big ones, the, the O-line, the quarterback, the ones that really make a difference. Um, and so we'll see where they go, where it goes on that front. And I know there are a few edge prospects who actually might even be in the mix and considered a blue chip guy for the Giants, depending on how they evaluate them at six. I think that'd probably be a stretch. Latu, the edge from UCLA, has the injury history, um, but definitely has crazy, crazy, crazy pass rush upside. Uh, Jared Verse from Florida State and Dallas Turner from from Bama, all guys who the Giants might consider in that range. I don't think they'd go for the kid from Illinois, Newton. He's more of an interior guy. But, you know, first round, second round, it's in the mix now, Nick. And let's wrap up here by talking a little bit defensive coordinators, some early guys in the mix. Um, I'll let you start with any any intriguing names. I, I have one that comes straight to straight to the top of my mind, so I'll let you, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I wonder who the one that uh, comes straight to your mind. So the the person that I would consider would be Antonio Pierce. We have no idea if he's going to get that head coaching job. I'd imagine he has to get it with the job that he did. But I thought Basaccia would get it with the job that he did after True. John Gruden got canned. So we don't have no idea what Mark Davis is going to do out there in Las Vegas. But I'm very interested in Antonio Pierce. I'm also interested and i have no idea how qualified they are to do this but if they are interested in this jerome henderson and andre patterson Mm -hmm. at least being considered as dc so i'm interested in that leslie frazier look i think it should be explored i i don't love it i don't love the the zone defense even front but if that's um i have to dive into it much more the statistics i don't want to um you know, really say that I hate it, but off the cuff, it's not something that really entices me. And uh, then I'll let you uh, actually, I'll say the last guy too, whose name's been floated out there by a lot of people. I'm open to having Patrick Graham come back. Mm-hmm. Patrick Graham, similar to Wink Martindale, and we applauded Patrick Graham for this. I know he's not nearly as aggressive, but at least Patrick Graham, we saw him get the most out of Jabril Peppers, James Bradbury, you could say a Dory Jackson, Leonard Williams. And now not Dexter Lawrence, but 
Dexter Lawrence was a young player who I believed watching the tape was really coming along. Just wasn't necessarily maximized. And Blake Martinez, he got a lot out of. So he at least has somewhat of a track record of getting a lot out of talented football players who weren't utilized to that same potential and that same level in their pa- on their past teams. So I'm open to having Patrick Graham back. I'm open to Graham as well. I, I look at the job he's he's done this year with with the Raiders, and I, I look at that defense, and outside of Max Crosby, I don't see any talent whatsoever. And I see a lot of names that are like playing great ball. The middle linebacker they had who they love, who's just like a journeyman guy who they turned into a great player oh, there. Perriman? Yeah. No, not Perriman. The other guy, no? Spillane. Uh, the guy the, oh, the white, Spillane. Yeah. yeah. Or I don't even know if Spillane, the white dude. I'm thinking it might be thinking the wrong name. but I think he, it is. I think it might be. And and just like the talent, they don't have any corner talent. They don't have a second. De- like they just have no talent Like on that defense. It feels like outside of Crosby and they played unbelievable down the stretch, the Raiders given the talent. So I'm open to Graham as well. Obviously, my top choice will be Jim Leonard, the former uh, Badgers fence coordinator who went on to have another amazing stint uh, in at college level. We don't know. There's a few things about Leonard. One, uh, some people have said he wants to stay in the Midwest. I don't know if that's true Two. He's always been a college coordinator. Uh, three, Colorado's been heavily targeting him to bring in as their defensive coordinator. But I'll tell you the things I know about Jim Leonard. The things I know is he's a Rex Ryan disciple, so he's going to bring a similar defense to the Wink Martindale defense. I've watched countless hours of his defense with Wisconsin. The best coordinator I've ever watched in my lifetime besides Steve Spagnuolo is him. That's the straight-up fact. He got the most out of Every single defense he ever ran. They're some of the most dominant defense, despite Wisconsin consistently being 30, 35th, 34th in recruiting. Nick, they don't get five stars there. They don't get a lot of four stars. He takes guys like Andrew Van Ginkle, molds them from UD, uh, you know, not UDFA, whatever is that equivalent at the college level. Guys that are like walk-ons and two stars, Jack Sanborn. Now they're starters in the NFL. Van Ginkle's amazing. Jack Sanborn starts on the bears and everybody loves him there. You know, there's been a one miss act bomb, but it basically everybody else hits the kid who the Pittsburgh drafted this year, who I love the tape of. And I told you it'd be good. Nick Herbig having an amazing year with Pittsburgh all of a sudden as a rookie, it's just these fourth rounders continue to just develop and play great. At the NFL would have been great in wink system too. And he would have been great in wink system yeah. with Nick Herbig and he was undersized. So nobody wanted to take him and he lasted to round to day three and now he's already great. And it's like, you know, this continues to happen. Leonard had a track record developing these guys, mostly linebackers, but he had a track record. And I just know that his system wouldn't be that big of a departure from what wink does. And we'd still be, be very aggressive and his players love playing for him, but you know, it's a big, it would be a big jump for him to go from college to the NFL, obviously. And I don't know if he has any interest in that. Obviously money talks though. So I think that if the giants made him a massive offer, he would say, okay, I don't have to live in the Midwest anymore. And okay. I can, I can go ahead and, you know, take that money and, and take this opportunity, but he will be the top of my list for sure. For, for those reasons. Is it safe to say you would be a full 3.9 inches if he's hired? (laughs) (laughs) Now you're giving me, you're giving me way too much credit. Probably a a, a full inch under. Um, No, joke. Jesus. Um, But yeah, Jim Leonard, not just because he's Wisconsin. I think everyone around the program knows this, but I think people in the big 10 who really study it, like the film guys I've seen the big 10, the (laughs) Iowa from all the other schools sing his praises for a reason. Now, I have not studied the All-22 of Jim Leonard, but I have watched Wisconsin football, and I would absolutely love that as well. Not just because it is similar to Wink Martindale. I do think he can get a lot 
out of this personnel. You're going to see Dexter Lawrence at the nose. You're going to see different types of even pressure packages from what we saw from Wink Martindale. There's a lot of, it, it, it's a very exotic defense. And I think very. with the uh, influx of the players that we're going to have come into this system to replace guys like Jihad Ward and players like that, with a new fresh defensive coordinator who can relate to players because he was a former player, I would be all about that. Yeah, former player Jim Leonard obviously worked with Wink and with with Harbaugh, not Wink, but with Harbaugh in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, and one one final guy I'll throw out there. Uh, you know, it's not going to happen because I think his ego is too big, and he's only going to come back for a head coach job. I but I, I can tell you, that. you know, what I'm going to say because I think if he was hired tomorrow, the Giants' defense might be better than it was today already. And I think they would be the the fa the fastest transition. We won't have to deal with like the weeks one through five where we suck on defense. There's a million breakdowns. Oh God, it's awful. Rex Ryan. <laughs> I don't yeah. Is that what you I thought I was going to go? Yeah. I mean, I was freaking, I love Rex Ryan defenses. I just James Betcher. <laughs> no, not Betcher. We can't go back. Did you no. see that from Wes Steinberg? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah Steinberg's the best bro. But, uh, what's it called? Yeah. I absolutely, um, would support Rex Ryan. It's never going to happen. Yeah. I he's not think. coming back for DC. He's only, no, it's not even just that. I don't think John Merrill would hire Rex Ryan and I could oh, be that's wrong. Probably there. true. That's Rex Ryan was the most bombastic. So, arrogant yeah, you are right about that. Head coach work with, with, with right with uh, who, Mara. who constantly took shots at the giants through the, through the media. He was grabbing, he was grabbing the front pages of, of like the You're New right. York post and, and, and everything that's, that was his thing. Rex Ryan. Very exciting. I don't think John Merrill would be about that. And I don't think he would come back anyways. He's going to try as to yeah. All right. That's all that we that's all we have for today on the Big Blue Banter podcast, wrapping up the Wink Martindale. Keep it locked and loaded though, and stay tuned in your feeds because coming shortly in your feed is going to be a recap of all the other news. Joe Shane's presser, Brian Dable's comments in that presser, the the, the other decisions, the 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 coaches they fired, and an early interview for offensive line coach. So thanks again. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.